When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Stevie Ray Vaughan had a powerful dream where Jimi Hendrix was teaching him. He called secret chord changes. And uh, Stevie's wife actually verified, yeah, he was lying in bed and uh, he was reaching his arm out in this kind of fashion when he's doing really hard riff solos and gritting his teeth and stuff. That was the night that uh, Jimmy came and taught him some secret chord changes. So perhaps he's actually kind of visiting. And then a few others, the Allman Brothers, he brought them a song. So I believe there's some kind of link, at least with the energy or maybe the vibe or the, the creativity of that soul. But we can also maybe extend it to say, yeah, somehow the being is uh, still doing their service of bringing gifts to earth and they just do it through the living who knows if you enjoy conspiracy unlimited why not become a conspiracy unlimited plus member for just a dollar 99 per month you'll gain access to two bonus exclusive commercial free episodes per month plus access to my back catalog of episodes to subscribe just go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on gain access to premium episodes. Again, go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com and click on get access to premium episodes or click on the link in the episode notes. Conspiracy Unlimited Plus for less than $2 per month. Why not sign up today? Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Craig Webb is the executive director of the Dreams Foundation and the author of Dreams Behind the Music. And we'll get into how dreams influence the creative process, the songwriting process of such artists as Lennon and McCartney and others. We'll probably touch on whether the coronavirus has entered into our dreams and nightmares. Craig Webb is a dream analyst, author, and researcher. He's also a widely traveled speaker and musical artist who's done pioneering lucid dream research at Stanford and designed peak performance devices distributed worldwide. His book, The Dreams Behind the Music, reveals little-known dreams that inspired tremendous success for over 100 famous artists and highlights principles and techniques anyone can use to harvest their own dreams for 
significant breakthroughs. Hey, Craig, how are you? Great to join you again, Richard. Thanks for the invite. Uh, doing pretty peaceful. I think we're all in our, our home studios today, right? Yes, we are. Yes, Keeping we are. It safe. I say, uh, you know, the social distancing uh, as a metaphor, as a dream person, I'm not so crazy about it. So I say physical distancing, very good and respects the masses and, and our neighbors, but socially connected. Yes, yes. And as I was mentioning, I think, at least for me personally, I'm more mindful with each human interaction. I mean, I, I have four other people in the house here, but others on the street, I almost, I crave that, you know, and a simple gesture, a wave hello now takes on much more meaning. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's one of the big, if we start to unwrap this terrible challenge faced, facing everybody in the world, really, uh, there are definitely some gifts, or at least we can turn the the lemonade the lemon into lemonade and find some gifts and i think empathy connection is one of the big messages here not so busy that we don't have time for even family friends but actually that should be a priority before you know we eventually arrive at death's door and say hmm, i'm not sure if i chose the right things right right yes it's certainly getting many of us to reprioritize how is the the pandemic how is coronavirus affecting people's dreams when people talk to you about this what are they saying well, first off, anything this huge emotionally, which is for most people here, affecting us all in different ways, but usually very strong emotions, that's guaranteed to show up in uh, our dreams because dreams are often a language for emotions. Uh, I guess the most general thing is that it shows up in tons more dream recall for many people. Maybe some of the listeners will, will call in and give us their personal stories. But since people, generally speaking, I think, have more time and uh, maybe the time that they have is a bit more relaxed, like more spacious, you don't have to wake up, you can sleep in, at least uh, maybe go to bed a bit earlier, the daytime, you can have more room for exercise, eating peacefully, it's not rushed to the office, this kind of thing. Uh, it allows much more, uh, I guess, time for recall. The, the dream channel, the info from the other side becomes clearer. So that's, that's about the biggest overall trend that pretty much everybody's had. And then the content starts being usually uh, sort of the pain and the fear at the start. Uh, examples of I'm at the local, I guess, what is it, the supermarket, or I think it was also the mall, and everybody's touching everybody, and it's very dangerous because we could get infected. So I guess waking concerns transferred to our subconscious. But the, the language of the feeling is a valid feeling. I am feeling really concerned and where is my edge of what I want to do? You know, maybe a life and death choice to go out to, to shopping. So it's obvious that things. And then uh, some people starting to see the more positive side. I've actually been uh, lucky enough to tune in uh, a little bit, maybe with a sort of clairvoyance or what I sometimes call tapping the collective conscious with uh, larger aspects of what I believe, A, some of the lessons are, and B, maybe even physical duration of this whole event for us which could be valuable for people's hope and for their timeline and maybe for their peace of mind to kind of have a sense of it. So for me, that's been one of the things too. Well, something you just said there reminded me of, um, you know, I, uh, some people collect, uh, I don't know, automobiles. Some people collect baseball cards. I collect quotes. I love quotes. Oh, and uh, when I went on, uh, I searched, you know, quotes about dreaming. And I don't think there's another topic that has so many quotes. I mean, everyone from the great bard, 
to Aerosmith, you know, um, sure. you Dream name on, it. Right? Yes, exactly. Every, but John Lennon had one, that, and you, you said something that just twigged that quote, which is, when we dream alone, it's just a dream. But when we dream together, it's reality. Because you talked about tapping into the collective unconscious and, and that we're all sort of now, humanity, all sort of dreaming on the same wavelength. Uh, and that's That's got to be a powerful thing. Yeah, I think there is that connection. That's been, I mean, I haven't been able to track that exactly. I live in some of the common dreams that people have a little bit. But let's say more, almost connections across the inner net, basically tuning into Mm -hmm. others. They're always there anyways, especially between close partners, twins, family members, because just like we like to reach out through Skype or uh, I guess Zoom now, or we reach out through the phone or, or however, sometimes we meet live, obviously. Uh, the same way we can reach out in dreams, and that's uh, been happening always. I've seen that plenty. But perhaps people are noticing that a little bit more. Hey, the internet, the invisible version in dreams of the internet, is actually a place where we can reach out to maybe somebody who needs help that we didn't know about and that kind of thing. So there's some of that being tapped. And then I guess the concerns, you know, markets uh, for the financial world is a big concern. So people are tuned into that concern. And then I guess the actual fear or challenges around family members or, or self who might have this you know, unknown disease that we've never really faced. No person up until what, two months ago, three months ago has ever had immunity or known what the experience is. So it's a huge unknown. And, and those archetypes will show up in, in people's dreams as a, a pretty archetypal feeling, but different specifics for each person. I gave one example before, but there are others. Right, right. Uh, is there a, a connection between the dreams we have at night and the hopes and dreams that we have for for our future. Yeah, that's a good one because people use that same word, you know, oh, I dream of someday (laughs) getting out of self-isolation or or whatever we're dreaming of. I dream of someday becoming a painter or or some kind of dream that we hold for our future. We usually use that word. And then, of course, we use it to to mean these experiences we wake up from at night, the the dreams that kind of have the rapid eye movements and uh, usually a nap or a meditation or overnight sleep dream. And the link is a bit less obvious, but I believe they're actually very strongly linked because the dreams that we hold for our future are often seeded with a thought somewhere, maybe a, a few needs come in and come in as a thought. And those thoughts, if we start to track them, you know, you'll find pretty closely, and I've seen quite a bit, they actually originated in dreams, if we track it closely, of the morning that we started to think about our future career or maybe our marriage or whatever the big event is oh you know what that's interesting i had a dream that seems on the exact same theme the morning that i started contemplating that new choice or that new life path in fact uh, natives a lot of the i guess indigenous cultures worldwide they'll actually choose quite consciously like on purpose to go on a vision quest and get the dream the vision the the guidance from inside about what their best calling is, what their life path is. And, and that's actually how I chose my life paths as a person sharing dreams, uh, had a powerful vision, and later on more music. And so it can be a very powerful way to connect the dreams from the night and in the day if we realize uh, there's, there's a pretty strong connection. And, and the link that I think makes it valuable for people, not just what do our dreams mean, that's a great question, about since 100 years, I guess Freud and Jung and some of the early forefathers were analyzing content and what it might mean. But nowadays, and and what I really encourage is, hey, let's, like uh, the Yoko Ono, I believe, quote that you said, 
let's find a dream that we can live together. So if I dream of something that's a new creative idea, a song, or a radio guest, you know, if I'm a radio host, or as me, I dream of a way to do a talk or, or something to mention on a radio interview or to write in a book, I'd like to actually ask, what does that want, that dream? And then bring that action to the world as some kind of creative product or connecting with a loved one or whatever the dream seems to want. And then our dreams actually do connect with everybody and become a joint reality. And usually our, our inner gifts come out. When you say whatever our dreams want, it almost makes it sound like the dreams are apart from us. It's almost like it's another intelligent entity or it's coming from somewhere else rather than just the manifestation of the mind. Almost opens up more questions than it answers, right? <laughs> Indeed, yes. Yeah, well, I don't want to create an artificial rift, but generally speaking, most people aren't directly connected with their innate wisdom in every moment, and of course, I'm one of those. Uh, and often, uh, the, you know, the dream channel or the info that comes as we waken that we usually call dream recall has lots of levels, and I don't want to say it's just always complete guidance from our deepest wisdom or our, our creative visions and things. But generally speaking, the, the noise of the senses is turned off. You know, when we're sleeping, the eyes are closed. We don't have the, the, the body's not moving so much. So that the tuning in or the inside info that's coming from our inner source, maybe the subconscious or even the collective unconscious, or if you want to think of it, our divine wisdom, some deeper level, it's actually coming through much clearer. So it's kind of when I say, what do they want? You might rephrase the question of, hey, what was the deeper part of me that might see a larger picture of my life want? And by the way, it sent a dream this morning that had some specific uh, tips in it. And I might contemplate that. So maybe that's a larger version of the same question that, that links up, hey, the deeper self is me, but it has a larger vision or a, maybe a sense of what's going to come and what's been passed and what I've forgotten. So it probably is drawing upon a larger wisdom than I have it, my immediate conscious self who's busy and going to the next appointment. <laughs> right. But why why does it come to us sort of wrapped in mystery, cloaked in symbology? You know, when sometimes when we read the Bible, we might think, why does Jesus talk in these strange parables? Why, or, right. you know, why doesn't he just come out and say it? Why don't our dreams just come out and tell us what they want? Like point blank, right? <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's a good question. I don't want to pretend to have the answer. I can give you my answer. I think every listener on these kind of pretty deep, almost philosophical questions, people should always make their own best choice. So as a maybe quote-unquote expert, but somebody who's walked the terrain quite a bit, I usually empower people first. Hey, everybody's best answer is, is probably part of the whole mosaic of the answer. But my answer to that would be, uh, on one level, uh, there's sort of like a, during the exam, sort of an analogy here, but during the exam, it doesn't make sense for uh, the teacher to give you all the answers. That was what the semester was for and your research at home and your projects and your, your presentations and things during the semester. But during the exam, you don't want to you know, get point blank what the answers are. Otherwise, there's no point to, to what you learn and it's sort of a fake and you, you might go to the next level without the proper training. So inside info about how to exactly solve every problem in every relationship and choose the perfect path at every moment doesn't leave any leeway for our creative freedom, for us learning and growing. And I, I believe on Earth here, it's a bit of a school. So our deeper wisdom, our psyche, whatever you want to call it, uh, actually wants us to grow and learn and become somewhat 
independent. And then at other moments, you know, we're going down the wrong path and maybe we're going to repeat a recurring loop of something unhealthy, kind of like that movie Groundhog Day. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, many Bill times. Murray. Yes. And it's got the good wisdom of it's okay to go after some of the, I think in the movie they actually go through the chakras in order, you know, the food and then sort of sex and money, power. And then so there's kind of a certain order to our desires. But later on, and as we move through the different things we want in life, our deeper wisdom keeps nudging us towards, hey, you know, these things you think you want out there in life, the relationship, the house, the car, the job, the role, whatever we want, uh, there's actually a deeper, rich feeling that you actually want behind the things. And the, the inner wisdom coaches us towards different strategies and different goals to to get really clear with uh, sort of the truest, truest, richest feeling of, I think, connection with our divine probably service to others. So we get nudged along our life path. And then also full connection with our innate wisdom that once we realize, hey, wow, this whole thing is like the dream of life is uh, actually something I can be quite free of. I still have to play the be in the play as one of the actors, but I don't have to get buffeted around by every little scene and stressed and wiped out you can have a little more, uh, I guess, witness approach. And the inner guidance or dreams, I guess, is a specific form of that. They're always coaching us towards that, but they, they nudge us. They give hints. They want us to kind of create, learn, and, and make a co-creation of our life. That's my sense. Do you that's have a, a, you that's have a, a great answer. Uh, what you said. <laughs> uh, what I said. <laughs> hey, no, I like your answer. Sort of confidence. <laughs> I love your answer. Uh, I guess that's why they call it a vision quest, right? We have yeah. to. We need an epic, an epic mission in our lives, and 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 that's the quest. Um, we just have a few minutes here before the break, but I just wanted to touch on this quickly before we move on to other things. And uh, you have a, a degree in physics. Right. Uh, which is, you know, is a very um, analytical and uh, type of mind that's required for that. But how did and how did you start working with dreams, which seems kind of an a, uh, not strange, a, a wonderfully strange inter intersection of careers? Yeah, thanks for that. That sort of honors parts of my uh, larger psyche, the larger me that don't always hook up well or connect. But over time, we've learned to get along, let's just say. <laughs> Uh, so I did do the degree in physics. During the degree, I actually had a powerful near drowning. I don't know wow. if you remember. I think I mentioned to you. But I got stuck under a raft, whitewater rafting. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So long story short, I kind of had a powerful vision of, wow, I'm dying and came to a rich peace. And, and out of nowhere, because I wasn't really tracking them or interested before that, but I started remembering up to 10 dreams a day, having lucid dreams. Maybe we can talk after the break. And then over a little time, integrating all these strange new inside info with uh, the world I had before that, physics and nuts and bolts and you know Newtonian laws. Long story short, I ended up integrating what I now call subjective science, first-person dreaming and inside info with the outer science that I think they can eventually work hand-in-hand. Hand. Eventually. Wow. I can't wait for that to, to, to all come together. Will I live long enough to see it? Uh, well, hopefully uh, I'll get somewhere <laughs> along the beginner realm. I'm not sure I'm anywhere near intermediate yet, but at least I have a map of where I'm headed. Well, that's important. Absolutely. Uh, Craig Webb is my guest, the executive director of the Dreams Foundation and uh, the author of The Dreams Behind the Music. And when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about some well-known artists. Uh, who had dream visits from deceased loved ones. Uh, you often hear uh, people like Paul Simon and Paul McCartney and others talking about how they are 
merely the retransmitter. They are not the author of these songs, many of them uh, anthemic, the, the soundtracks to our lives. They are, they are simply uh, retransmitting what they have received from the dream world. Inventors talk a lot like that, too. Back with more of our conversation. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Reduce stress and enhance your immune system. ESS60 from C60 Evo. C60 is the carbon 60 molecule known to deliver more than 172 times the power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS60 is the purest form of C60, a known antiviral, antibacterial, and anti-inflammatory remedy that works. ESS60 neutralizes free radicals from cell metabolization and external toxins to help minimize inflammation and maximize detoxification. Further, people report better sleep, more energy, and renewed mental clarity when they take our ESS60 organic oil. To order your miracle molecule ESS60, click on the C60 Evo link in the episode notes for this podcast or go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. C- c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serrett. Buy now and save 10% by using the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Again, use the coupon code EVRS at checkout. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Craig Webb is with us, the executive director of the Dreams Foundation. And uh, we are also talking about uh, uh, the the way that dreams intersect with creativity. He's uh, the author of The Dreams Behind the Music. Uh, before we get to that, you you mentioned during your near-drowning experience, uh, or after, rather, your near-drowning experience, you began uh, to uh, have tremendous dream recall, something like 10 dreams a night. Uh, so that you attribute d- directly to the, the near-drowning experience, or was there something else that you were doing uh, to enhance that recall? Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't do any drugs, so it might sound <laughs> like it for the listeners, but uh, I, I seem to get pretty strongly connected without that avenue. I, It's all in retrospect, so it's sort of my interpretation of what happened. I just at first tell the data that I did start to remember up to 10 dreams a day. And, you know, not just until the shower or breakfast, you know, how dreams kind of disappear pretty quickly. Yes. Uh, they would last into the afternoon, into following days from the day before. I remembered a few, and... So what I later interpreted, and 
understood was that the floodgates has opened to some part of my psyche that I hadn't really been paying any attention to. You know, as you said, the physics was very logical, analytical, sort of very left brain, nuts and bolts, how the world works. But I had started with the question of asking, like, how do all these things work? What's going on in the universe and in people and sort of a larger, maybe almost philosophical question? And did the physics agree? And I sort of think that just because I went so strongly into one side of the psyche, that the intuitive side and maybe the emotions and the whole part that I had been leaving behind pretty much in my degree just came really strongly pushing through. And I almost actually view the stuck under the raft for maybe 30 seconds a minute or however long it was because I just remember sort of feeling, wow, I'm dying. And a rich, rich, deep peace, which I wouldn't expect. You know, I thought drowning might be... <laughs> stressful and I didn't have any air and I, I did have a helmet but I was stuck under so I just kind of attributed something happened where it sort of whiplashed and the other part of me spoke up really clear and I rebalanced so I started having intuition open which intuition and dreams are kind of the same thing started having 10 dreams a day lucid dreams dreams of the future that were very clear have you ever dreamt something that you feel uh, came true later Richard well that's a tricky thing because not having written them down uh Sometimes I'm, I wonder whether I dreamt something before it happened, but then, you know, again, it's difficult to say. Uh, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure whether I, I dreamt uh, something before it happened, but sometimes I think I may have, but again, no documentation. I need to write my dreams down. Yeah, and if we took a poll of the listeners, uh, they might be quite surprised because we don't often talk about these things too much. Sometimes uh, it's a bit taboo or otherwise we just don't focus on it so much like me and my physics degree. I wasn't against it, but it just didn't really spark my interest. There was lots of other things going on in the out there world. Uh, but if we took a poll, actually two out of three people would pretty clearly say, yeah, at some point I've, I've dreamt something that was pretty specific and came true within a fairly short amount of time that I could track it. Sometimes thematically, like the feeling and some of the characters were the same, but not the exact scenario. And then sometimes, you know, specific, exactly what I dreamt came true is almost impossible uh, within like a day or the same day or maybe a week later or something very short. So it gets interesting uh, when we can track it. About 1 in 12, this is research over, over a pretty large sample, 1 in 12 people have dreamt something very specific and then told or written about it or somehow recorded it beforehand with somebody else that then later came true. So that's a pretty high percent of almost verifiable dreams. So it's happening out there, but uh, not so many people are talking about it and some don't believe it. But if they started to track it, I think it's kind of like... Uh, you know, we all have empathy, but some of us don't use it as much as others. It's just a skill that's probably worth developing if we realize it can really help us and help others. But it's a it's a challenging skill. I can tell you after exploring the realm of tuning into advanced, events in advance here as a, let's say, recovering thinkaholic physicist, as I sometimes playfully call myself, uh, it's quite a challenging skill. You know, a lot of responsibility comes with knowing things and then having to act differently with that knowledge. So, so could you give me an example of a recent prescient dream that you've had? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, uh, I, I'll just say a big one that might be on a lot of listeners' mind, and they can see if it plays out. But I dreamt pretty clearly, and for me, I, I dreamt it twice, actually, in different format, of the duration of this whole pandemic, at least probably for Canada, because that's where I'm located, is going to be about eight months or nine months. 
guess uh, maybe about eight months or so from here, but when I first dreamt it, about nine months, uh, and go towards about Christmas. I don't think it's a perfect fit because obviously there'll be waves yes. uh, sort of going out more, and then unfortunately it starts again, so I did dream that it was going to be waves. And I think some of it will end, like some of the border blockages and this and that should end before other things like maybe international travel for pleasure and stuff, but a lot more than the two, three weeks we were initially told and even maybe the month or two. So people can see if that plays out. And I even have questions like tonight on the show. Is that some kind of inside info that I share? Maybe it doesn't make a huge difference in people's lives, but it could really affect some people's choices. And it certainly affects choices I make. Are there more specific things? I've, I've dreamt many times for other people's health, uh, and very things that I probably wouldn't known about specifically and that I check later and that's hugely important to them almost that day or that week or something where they're going to have an accident. Uh, many dreamers sort of dream to protect. Mothers often have dreams of protection for their kids, which is natural. Uh, you know, people sort of dream what they what they can do something about. I'll give you an example here that's not from me, so I'm not just telling. But I, I did want to make it a little personal that usually a few times a week I'll have a pretty clear prescient dream. But uh, our friend Bono, you know, the U2 singer? Yes. From uh, the rock group there. For, for the younger generation, you might not have heard uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, and In the <laughs> Name of Love, and some of the newer ones, Innocence album. Uh, he had a very powerful experience. He wasn't sure if it was quite a wake dream or he was just imagining listening. But during the night, he uh, was... I guess before a performance at Wembley Arena, he was listening to a soundtrack from Blue Velvet, which uh, is a David Lynch movie. And the soundtrack yes. had, uh, I think, Roy Orbison's In Dreams, the song In Dreams on it. Maybe our producer can cue it up there. It's a great one. Uh, but uh, he sort of heard that, didn't really, wasn't listening. He was half asleep, a little stressed out. But then he woke up with this sort of melody and song and a few lyrics, Mystery Girl, She's a Mystery to Me. And I was kind of like, oh, that. That must be Roy Orbison. I'm sure it's Orbison. I guess that's on the album. And he looked there and he, he saw In Dreams, which actually was a dream-inspired song. In Dreams was dreamt by Orbison. He dreamt of Elvis <laughs> with the new hair. Ah, wow. So maybe it's had its alchemical effect on, on Bono's dreams. But there was no song Mystery Girl or anything like it. And he said, oh, okay, well, maybe I've just written it or whatever the Irish accent there is. <laughs> and he started working on it pretty inspired that day. And uh, he went to soundcheck and played it for the band members, The Edge and I guess the others, and said, does this sound like Orbison, Orbisonic? You know? And they said, yeah, actually, it's kind of catchy, sort of an Orbison tune. Uh, wh where'd you get it? He said, oh, I dreamt it this morning. And so they were kind of like, oh, okay, cool. And they, they did the whole performance. you think he'd be tired, right, after like encore and the whole... <laughs> One would but think, actually, yeah. in the dressing room, he started working again on that exact song. And I guess he was really into the creative process and didn't want to lose it, which is a good little suggestion for creators or anybody getting a, a dream insight. It's good to catch it while it's fresh. So he was there, and there's a, suddenly a knock on the door, and the security guard says, uh, it's a bit unusual here, uh, but uh, Mr. Orbison is here to see oh, you. Oh, get out of town. Uh, so that's what the guys in the band said. Oh, you were pulling our crank. You know, it's not possible. You knew all along and blah, blah, blah. And Bono said, I swear to you, you know, I had no clue. I never met him. Didn't know he was in London. Certainly not at our concert. And then uh, so he came in, you know, after, after the guys eventually said, ah, oh, come on, come on. He came in and he's first thing he said was, I liked your concert. I don't know why, but I definitely liked it. My children liked it and told me to come check it out. And the second thing out of Orbison's mouth, standing there beside his wife, was, do you have a song for me? Because I feel you might, and I'd like to work with you. 
and that like, everybody flipped and we're falling over and everything. And Bono says, well, uh, I guess I, I do. Oh <laughs> and then he Lord. ended up being uh, the producer and recording of the, that song on Orbison's last album. And you know the movie that came out last Christmas, Aquaman? Yes. The, yes. the big song where Boy Meets Girl, where he met, uh, I guess it's that uh, British actress there. I forget her name. Right, right. But uh, Aquaman meets his, let's say, girlfriend. That was the song Mystery Girl. So it's a I think it's song. had lots of other, but it made it into a huge, huge movie at a pretty important time. And that's yes. kind of the alchemical power of these dreams. We don't exactly know always consciously where and what they want, but asking that question and just sort of showing up and listening to the, the nudges that we get as we work on it, that can bring some pretty major gifts, at least personally, but sometimes publicly, like, like Bono. That's that's an incredibly powerful and just very very cool uh, that story, uh, and of course, and this is what you write about, of course, in, in the dreams behind the music, yeah. and you, you you dedicate a whole chapter to people artists actually collaborating in their dreams. It would appear. I mean, it's hard to imagine that that happens. I mean, Orbison wasn't exactly collaborating with Bono, but he seemed to have a sense that Bono had a song for him and showed up at just the right moment but have have songwriting duos actually collaborated in a dream state yeah it's an interesting one i like uh, sort of like we have zoom or skype or one of these things nowadays can we do it in dreams uh anybody who's sort of tracked their dreams for a while can say yeah sure of course i've done it plenty you can start to see that whatever manifests in the outer world as above so below in other words There'll be an inner correlate to any kind of big development in the world. The movie camera appeared at the same time as Dreams started making it in public. I don't know if you noticed the connection. Edison actually would often take his actual dreams. You know, he'd encourage his employees to nap. And he was the one who didn't exactly invent it, but who brought the kinetoscope and the camera and actually the, the link up of music to the camera to the public. So the private dreams of an inventor become public as movies and many, many other things. So it's natural that any kinds of things like collaborations between artists happen in dreams. One that's interesting, uh, well, Bono, by the way, not just with Roy Orbison, he was a, I mean, still is probably a tune dreamer for for big collaborations. He also dreamt a whole big collaboration with Bob Dylan. Uh, What happened there? So pretty much like the Orbison connection we spoke about, uh, he dreamt a, a song. Same thing for Bono, and he felt, oh, this must be a Bob Dylan song. And so he uh, actually reached out that day that he dreamt uh, to Bob Dylan, called him up, or I guess got his agent or somebody to connect and find the number. Never spoke to him before, but over the phone they said, yeah, let's do it, and they did. And they recorded a song together that, uh, well, at the time Dylan didn't share, but later he did in his performances because he was with the Traveling Wilburys then. But Bono and uh, U2 has shared online. There's there's quite a number. Uh, the uh, There's a strange aspect, and I'll just mention for colors, because we can come back to collaborations in a sec, but like uh, we're talking about a precog nightmare that might be interesting, or, or even just a nightmare upsetting dream. Sometimes we can offer quick insights that really help somebody, so hopefully we'll hear from some folks. But John Lennon had, uh, I think, both there, precog and sort of a nightmare, actually three Two of them were upsetting, but three dreams that kind of came in a series. Our, our famous Beatle here had uh, dreams of what I think together, if you piece them together and kind of do a little bit of a collage, come pretty close to predicting his own murder. He dreamt mm-hmm. of being in a, in a restaurant with a chubby stranger coming in, so chubby, and wearing spectacles, very specific glasses, just like the, the murderer did. The, the assassin, I guess, and holding a revolver, the exact same kind of gun that the. And then in a second dream, 
I don't think the same night, but quite close to it, a day or two, he dreamt of somebody outside the Dakota who was very questionable and asking all kinds of things. And the Dakota was his hotel where, unfortunately, his uh, murderer came and was asking questions and meeting with him. And, and the, the terrible event happened. So putting And he was pretty nervous after the dreams. Like, he knew this was something real, not just random. But a year later was the event. So, you know, he's a busy gent and he probably wasn't thinking about it at the time that it happened. So. Could it have been avoided or not? We don't know, but it was definitely hinted at pretty clearly and pretty specifically. Um, my uh, my late radio partner, R. Gary Patterson, uh, was a rock and roll historian, and uh, he told me this story uh, involving John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and Carl Perkins. And this was uh, uh, several years after Lennon's death, and it was just before Carl Perkins died, and he decided to uh, collaborate with with Paul McCartney. And so McCartney came to the United States and um, uh, came into the studio and, and Carl said to, to Paul, I, I have a song that sort of came to me in a dream the other night and um, I'd like to play it for you and, 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 and see what you think. And uh, it was called um, Think of Me Once in a While. And he played the song and McCartney just broke down and started to sob uncontrollably uh which is very unlike the, the you know he's rather stoic <laughs> and um after he he McCartney left the studio and Linda came back in uh, Linda McCartney came back yeah. and uh Carl said did I, I'm sorry did I say something to offend him and he said uh, Linda said no uh just not too long before John Lennon died Paul came to the Dakota to visit with him and uh, as they said goodbye, they hugged, and Lennon said to him, I'll see you, maybe think about me once in a while. The last words he said to McCartney, and it, that song came to Carl Perkins. The exact lyrics. Wow. In other words, a bit of a, like, a wink from beyond the veil or something like it, maybe. Yes, yeah, sort of a collaboration in the dream state, if you will. Yeah. And maybe nobody, now we can tell the story and it makes sense, but outside that moment, unless we tracked it a little bit, nobody except McCartney could have told the, the link and the connection, but it was hugely important for him. So sometimes they're private, but uh, sometimes they're more public. For example, Jimi Hendrix, uh, before he was a big dreamer, by the way, uh, dreamt some of the Purple Haze and some others, uh, not necessarily always free from uh, substances, but definitely tuning in <laughs> on, on other levels. And then after, I guess, graduating from Earth, I like to say, beyond, passing beyond, he would often come, and maybe still does, to, to super guitar players especially, because that was his... So Stevie Ray Vaughan had a powerful dream where, you know, he was... I guess Jimi Hendrix was teaching him, he called secret chord changes. And uh, Stevie's wife actually verified, yeah, he was lying in bed, and uh, he was reaching his arm out in his kind of fashion when he's doing really hard riff solos and gritting his teeth and stuff. So uh, that was the night that uh, Jimmy came and taught him some secret chord changes. So perhaps he's actually kind of visiting. And then a few others, the Allman Brothers, he brought them a song. And so I believe there's some kind of link, at least with the energy or maybe the vibe or the, the creativity of that soul. But we can also maybe extend it to say, yes, yeah, somehow the being is uh, still doing their service of bringing gifts to Earth and they just do it through the living. Who knows? Do you think that m might have something to do with the the possibility that i mean i believe that the mind exists outside the body it's not a product of the brain uh and if it exists outside the body outs it's 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 
it's not material. Therefore, it's eternal. Therefore, you could say it, it, it exists outside of time and space. So there is no past, present, and future. There's just the now, as far as the mind is concerned. It's not so much, we, we do, we focus on what was that all about? How did that happen? Rather than what do we do with that? And it's almost like you're playing a video game and all of a sudden there is this artifact that's dropped into the into the the video game and then you're supposed to react to it somehow you know you you interact with it do i do i try to open it do i go around it what am i supposed to do with this thing that just appeared in my life and the video game of life is the analogy right 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 so So, maybe it's the narrator kind of all of a sudden appearing if it's a video game analogy and saying something that's a little bit of a you know in these video games we usually gather different skills or different i guess tools for later on in the game maybe it's the narrator saying hey there's a really valuable tool that we'll need you to have in two years when maybe your mom's gonna think be suicidal or when you're gonna have a health problem and you could have avoided it beforehand if you caught the nightmares early or some kind of early hint at something that could be developed and later on would become important but they the narrator because it's kind of a mystery game and we sort of get one step at a time like the scavenger hunt the narrator's not going to tell you all the exact reasons exactly why right there it just kind of nudges you into learning it that's my guess and that's often how it comes very cool very cool so back to the idea of the the mind existing outside the body being eternal there being no past present or future because just now Uh, could that explain why we we think we have precognitive dreams and 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 why we dream what we dream yeah sure i think even just the question itself almost is self-answering because outside of time is kind of where that part of the mind comes from. Dreams are pretty linked with uh, perceptions, let's just call them, uh, inner perceptions, inner senses that are away from physical senses to a large degree. Yeah, we can definitely dream about the coffee being brewed or the alarm incorporating or the maybe the phone ring incorporating into a dream. So sometimes we get a few physical bleed-ins. But more often than not, the data is coming from an outside source and then tuning into that source is what the gift is because it's free from time. So we can see things in the future and sometimes very practical things. Example from from the book here, The Dreams Behind the Music, which hopefully people can check out. Dreamsbehindthemusic.com is the website. Uh, Charlie Wilson, pretty well-known, I think, sort of blues, jazz, and different kind of artists. Uh, his wife actually had a powerful dream that if he chose to, he could uh, you know, sort of record the song that she got in her dream and the lyrics and the music. And it was very specific. It said, you'll actually be nominated for a Grammy. Not that you'll win, but you'll be nominated if you follow it and create it. You know, If you build it, he will come. Right. And so they did. They took it. He recorded it right after waking. They just kind of worked on it. He got some good people. They recorded it. And exactly as she said, he was nominated for a Grammy. So... Probably he tuned in precognitively to a pretty rich future moment because uh, he'd had sort of different substance problems, and that was a bright spot after some pretty dark spots. So, Amazing, amazing. It reminds me, there's um, Johnny Horton, uh, who was kind of a country folk singer from the early 60s. Uh, he, he wrote songs that told sort of they were history lessons. Uh, uh, the, um, the Sinking of the Bismarck and North to Alaska and... Uh-huh. Uh, he wrote that uh, song about um, oh, about the War of eighteen twelve. I can't think of the um, the Battle of New Orleans. Yeah. And uh, but there was one song that he recorded called Johnny oh, Rebel. Johnny, uh, yes, uh, and Johnny Rebel uh, was another one of his hits. And his songwriting partner, who was also his neighbor, um, had a like a dictaphone by his bed, and he 
he woke up and uh, in the middle of the night, his wife remembered this, and he he seemed to have written this song in his sleep, and he recorded it in his sleep because he woke up the next day. He had no memory of it. Right. He said, how did this get on? The, and his wife said, you woke up at three in the morning. Don't you remember? He, said, he had no clue. And Johnny Horton, his, his best friend and, and the singer next door, recorded the song word for word, and it was a huge hit for him. Uh, do you know which song? It was called Johnny Rebel. Oh, okay. I'm going to actually yeah. track that one. That's a story I didn't know. You'd be surprised. There's about, I only tracked about 220, I think, now artists, but probably most creatives and not just musicians actually dream or at least on some level sort of get that quiet waking thought that becomes a huge hit rather than just working on it analytically, which can sometimes work, but has less chance of kind of the big collective conscious gift from below that really wants to speak to many. So I encourage people to kind of check out the, the inside info of dreams as a potential huge creative gift and then many other ways in their lives too. And uh, how do we get a copy of the dreams behind the music? Oh, well, uh, that's, thanks for asking. Dreamsbehindthemusic.com is uh, the direct website if you want to read a little bit more and see it. Or just go to Amazon.ca or Amazon.com. That's an easy way. Or if people want to write me, I often bring it and, and have it at talks, but it might be far for them to do that. So you usually just order it online. We'll try to get you a copy, Richard, because it sounds like you're pretty interested. Oh, it's just it's, – it's a fantastic – uh, subject area. I mean, I could just talk about this with you all night, and we'll we'll do it again some night right. soon. I hope. Right. Dreams Dreams ca the best way to reach you. Uh, yeah, or craigweb.ca is kind of my speaker site. Uh, Dreams.ca is a little retro and look, but it's got some great content about nightmares, lucid dreaming, and uh, craigweb.ca is a little more of the speaker site and some of the articles that people might be interested in. So, thanks for for mentioning it, so people can have resources. Craig. It's always a delight. Let's do it again soon. Great. Craig Webb, The Dreams Foundation. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 